the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Was Winston Churchill um, ever on the cover of Vogue? I don't know, uh, and I'm a little too tired to look it up, but Vladimir Zelensky is on the cover. I believe it's the August edition. And you know Vladimir has been compared to Churchill, right? He's on the cover posing with his wife, and they are, of course, trying to sell the war in Ukraine to Americans. Now, he doesn't think, I guess, the uh, the $100 billion or so that we've been taxed that will uh, to pay for his war that's been sent to him is enough. So I guess he feels like he needs to, you know, go on a little ad- advertising campaign. Now, I don't know if Winston Churchill was ever on the cover of Vogue, so I obviously don't know if he was ever on the cover with his wife while London was being bombed every night by the Nazis. But if he was, I'm going to guess he and his wife didn't have time for the work that had to be done on the Zelensky's hair and makeup for the cover shoot. Uh, Vogue. We're talking about Vogue here, okay? It's a, it's, it's, it's a fashion magazine. He's on the cover. Uh, maybe Zelensky uh, standing on, you know, top of a tank wearing battle fatigues would have made for a better cover. Just maybe a thought. And it would have required less makeup, too, by the way. But um, L. Reynolds, or Ellie, I can't, I don't know how to pronounce her name, but it's E-L-L-E Reynolds. Um, I apologize if it's not Ellie, but I'll call her Ellie Reynolds of The Federalist. She was nice enough to uh, read the Vogue story so we wouldn't have to. And she has some experts, uh, I'm sorry, excerpts uh, like this one on Elena. Uh, quote, on one day, she, that would be Elena Zelenska, Ukraine's first lady, wore an ECRU, that's E-C-R-U, I have no idea what that means, uh, but it's Vogue magazine. So anyway, on one day, she wore an ECRU silk blouse with a black velvet bow tied around the neck and a black mid-calf skirt, her ash blonde hair swept up in a loose bun. That's according to the uh, writer for Vogue, Rachel Donadio. Quote, the next day it was wide leg jeans, chunky white sneakers with yellow and blue detailing, a nod to the Ukrainian flag, and a fundraising project by the, by the brand The Coat. That's the brand, The Coat. Her hair loose on her shoulders and a rust-colored button-down shirt. This is what she writes after that. I couldn't help but think the shirt had the same rusty hue as the burned-out Russian tanks that I saw lining the roads in Irpin and Buka. Now, if she would have worn red, would she have compared it to the blood she saw on the streets? I mean, what? this is, a, this is Vogue magazine. And uh, uh, L.A. Reynolds points out that Vogue also tells us who the first lady was wearing, you know, as in which designer. In this story, the first lady wears... This is a quote from the um, uh, Vogue issue. Quote, in this story, the first lady wears Ukrainian designers such as Better, Six, Havoya, The Coat, Kacharovska, and Postovit. I have no idea what any of those things mean, unquote. Uh, I said that. She didn't write that. But uh, I don't have any idea what who any of those, uh, obviously, those designers are, and I don't want to know. But anyway, um, you know, have you had enough of the war in Ukraine? Just wondering. Have you had enough of Vladimir and Olena? Now, the big guy blames everything on the war in Ukraine and, of course, Vladimir Putin, including inflation. So when this is over, is it all going to be worth it? That's the question. Um, And how do you like the chances of Ukraine winning right now? How much attention are you actually paying to the reports? It's just, it's the same thing all the time. And it's, you know, we're talking about people dying and it's terrible and it's a war and all that. But it's, people have to become numb to it after months and months of the same thing, uh, unless you're over there. But uh, how do you like the chances uh, of the media 
both liberal and conservative, by the way, uh, feeling the least, the least bit guilty about the cheerleading that they've been doing for the last, what, six or seven months. Now, if you took a survey in America and asked people which they would prefer, Ukraine fighting on with Americans, uh, American weapons and money and 450 a gallon gas, or Ukraine surrendering and 285 a gallon. How many would you do you think would pick 285? I'm guessing 90 percent. Vladimir talking about his brave soldiers and urging them and the civilians to keep fighting from the cover of Vogue magazine is not a good look. And I think it might have the opposite result that he's looking for, by the way. Uh, anyway, when we come back, the media have beclowned themselves one more time in defense of Joe Biden. And in our second half hour, how decarceration and defunding the police, speaking of getting the opposite of what you intended, how that's had the opposite effect of what was intended. Stick around. When it's time to replace your roof, siding, gutters, and downspouts, entry doors, and, of course, windows, you can count on Windows R Us, the area's premier exterior replacement company. This is John Steigerwald. With over 50 years' experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows R Us offers repair and replacement for all your exterior home projects. Why pay double with some other companies? Windows R Us will always give you the best price on the best in-class products, backed by the best warranties in the industry, all with zero sales pressure. And speaking of zero... Right now, get zero interest financing for 12 months and no processing fee with prices set to increase on all exterior products. Lock in your quote today. Schedule a free estimate and inspection today at windowsarustpittsburgh.com. You've tried the rest, now try the best. windowsarustpittsburgh.com. This is important news. If you have unfiled tax returns, the IRS is shifting gears and ramping up investigations on non-filers this year. If you fail to file your tax returns for a year or more or you owe back taxes, now's the time to call Optima Tax Relief before the IRS finds you. Optima is America's number one most trusted tax resolution firm specialized in helping individuals, families, and businesses get right with the IRS. They're experts in the Taxpayer Relief Initiative, a powerful new program that can make resolving tax issues easier. A-plus rated with the Better Business Bureau, Optima's award-winning team has helped thousands of people protect their paychecks, bank accounts, homes, and businesses by putting their tax problems to rest, resolving over $1 billion in tax debts for their clients. Call Optima now for a free consultation. Call 800-354-2840. 800-354-2840. 800-354-2840. Optima Tax Relief. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. My dog was scratching and shedding like crazy around the house. When I heard about Dynavite Nutritional Supplement, I thought, why not? It couldn't hurt. We literally tried everything else. Our dog quickly took to it, and after a couple of weeks of adding Dynavite to his food, we noticed a big difference. Our little gizmo's coat was shinier, and he almost completely stopped shedding and itching. I can't wait to see how well it helps him with his allergies as the seasons change and he's in the yard more. I'm so glad I tried Dynavite. My dog smelled so bad and scratched herself constantly. We bathed, sprayed, and bathed her again, but no results. And then I heard about Dynavite supplements for gut health, and all of the reviews sounded just like my Bella. After just two weeks, she had major improvements with the smell, and no more scratching or dragging her stomach across the carpet. And her coat is more beautiful than ever. Happier, healthier with every bite. Over a million pets helped with Dynavite. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. 
Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, call Select Quote at 1-800-690-4040. That's 1-800-690-4040. Or go to SelectQuote.com. 1-800-690-4040. That's 1-800-690-4040. Select Quote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at selectquote.com slash commercials. This is the John Stackerwalt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. Hey, did you hear we're in a recession? Uh, I, I'm pretty sure a recession is when you have two consecutive quarters of uh, negative economic growth. Um, but as everybody was expecting, uh, the the information came out that we did just that and we are in a recession but as everybody was expecting, the Biden administration would uh, try to spin that and say that, that this time it doesn't count. Apparently, uh, from what I'm gathering, if there are two consecutive qu- – and I'm not an economist, uh, I don't think uh, – two consecutive quarters of negative growth is a recession when a Democrat is president. I'm sorry, when a Republican is president. When a Democrat is president, it's not. I think that's pretty much how it's been. Uh, the experts have, uh, have uh, come to agree on that, apparently, now, since uh, this stuff came out the other day. So over the weekend, the uh, Biden administration sent uh, Janet Yellen out. Uh, she was on uh, the Sunday shows. She said, quote, this is not an economy that's in recession. We're in a period of transition in which growth is slowing and that's necessary and appropriate. Can you think of, of, of a more BS comment than that? What kind of, How stupid? Well, obviously they think people are really stupid, and I think the people who vote for these people are. But, but, but that's who they're talking to, apparently, because nobody with a brain would believe that for a second. But that's what, that's what Janet Yellen said. And, and then, of course... Uh, after the news came out that it was, in fact, uh, another quarter of um, economic um, a negative growth by the uh, slowing economy for the second quarter. I guess that's an easier way to say it than negative growth. The Associated Press came out with this. The economy shrinking for two consecutive quarters would meet a longstanding ass- assumption for when a recession has begun. But, but, with the U.S. adding 2.7 million jobs over those same six months – Economists say that wouldn't mean a recession has started. So I don't know who those economists are, but I'm going to guess they're friendly to the Bidens. And then uh, there's this, Paul Krugman, okay? Now, he's the guy that said there wouldn't be any inflation. And uh, since, the, uh, the, since the news came out about the actual recession, he said there will be a lot of breathless – this was uh, what he said before the – he knew the stuff was coming out. And this is what he said, uh, I think, the day before it was actually official. Quote, there will be a lot of breathless commentary to the effect that we're officially in a recession, but we won't be. That's according to Paul Krugman. So he gets to decide whether you're in a recession or not. I wonder if he gets to decide whether I'm going to pay 450 to fill up my gas tank when I leave. Uh, and then he went to, on Twitter, and he, he, he was promoting a column that he had just written. And the the the, uh, the headline for the column was "Ignore the two quarter rule." We might have a recession, but we aren't in one now. So none other than Paul Krugman, who's been wrong about everything, by the way. I don't know how this guy. His he's supposed to be an economic expert. I know nothing about economics except what I read in the paper. You know, or I don't know how to put it, but I don't. I'm not an economist. So, uh, but I do know that this guy is considered by liberals. And which means 99% of the media, he's considered an expert. They keep going to him. They keep going to him, and he's wrong. And then they go to him again, and he's wrong again. And, and so um, he said there wasn't going to be inflation. We've got, what, 9% inflation. Why would anybody go back to him for his opinion on anything ever again? But, you know, this isn't, isn't the last time they're going to do it. This guy's been doing it for 30 years, and he's been wrong for 30 years. Uh, this is uh, – he also called inflation transitory, by the way. And this is from a, a Washington Post columnist named Alan Sloan. Um, he, he wrote a, an op-ed, and the headline was, 
recession experts don't think we are in one, and neither do I. Now, I want you to, just for one second, imagine the ridicule that Donald Trump would be getting if he was out there, if he were out there trying to spin this as not being a recession with everything that's going on right now, and how much ridicule uh, Fox News would get or any other conservative outlet would get for saying the things that these liberals are saying right now. But it's, it's uh, as I said, when it's a Democrat and there are two consecutive uh, negative quarters, it's n- not a recession, only when a Republican is. So this is, uh, and then this is what some of the networks were doing this morning. This is a thanks to uh, Media Research Center, newsbusters.org. You should check that out every day, by the way. Uh, CBS Mornings, uh, I guess it's called CBS Mornings now. Is it still the CBS Morning News? I don't know. I wouldn't watch it if I were in prison, but it's, this is what they said. According to Nancy Cordes, quote, Typically, if GDP falls for a second quarter in a row, that would signal a looming recession. But the Biden administration has been insisting that this is not the case this time around, that the economy is simply recalibrating after a post-pandemic boom. Again, imagine the ridicule if this, were, if this was all about Trump. That's uh, from CBS Mornings. Also, uh, this, they, they were talking to an analyst named Jill Schlesinger, Nate Burleson, who's one of the co-hosts of the show. He was wondering if the term even mattered. He says, quote, you mentioned Federal Reserve Chair Powell. He said we're not in a recession. But, you know, we're looking at this and hearing about recession. It's almost like a buzzword now. Are we in a recession? And uh, Schlesinger worried that if people hear the U.S. economy fits the definition of a recession, they might think we're in a, you know, recession. So she doesn't want to talk about it. Here's what, uh, this is her quote. Here's what uh, Fed Chair Jerome Powell is really worried about. He's saying everyone's talking about recession. It's getting ingrained. People are worried about inflation. So even though everybody in America knows it's a recession, every economist has always said for the last hundred years that when there's two quarters like we've just had, that it's a recession. But because it's Joe Biden and because the media have zero credibility anymore, they figured out a way. It took them about 15 minutes to figure out a way to tell everybody it's not a recession. Here's Good Morning America. Uh, uh, over Good Morning America, Rebecca Jarvis, she's a reporter for Good Morning America. She stressed that you shouldn't consider Thursday's news a recession. This stuff just came out today, officially. One way, quote, one way that people define a recession is not the official definition of a recession. And then she, she threw this out there. The National Bureau of Economic Research is the arbiter, the semi-official arbiter of recessions here in the United States, and define a recession as a significant decline in economic activity spread out across the economy and lasting more than a handful of months. We've had recessions that did not, I don't even know how to read this. This is just, it's more just, it's just gymnastics. Over on the Today Show, this is uh, somebody named Gabe Guterres. He said, quote, the White House and Fed's chair, Jerome Powell, say they do not think the U.S. is in a recession yet. And then this is uh, Tom Costello of NBC. This is what he said yesterday, that a recession depends, quote, on who you ask. So then he asked Brian Deese, and I've seen this guy on Fox being interviewed. He's unbelievably nauseating. But he was asked uh, the question if, if we are in a recession, and you'll be shocked to hear that he said no. No, nah, we're not. Nah, nah, nah. Don't worry about the recession. Not a problem. So that's the media on the recession. So – I've got some other stuff on the media here, uh, and this is uh, this is this is stunning. I don't know which one is bigger, um, but both of them are reported by everybody, uh, not, not being reported by anybody in the uh, in the conservative in the non-conservative media. Uh, Joe Biden met with fourteen of Hunter Biden's business partners. Partners, okay, that uh, that came out. In a story in the um, in the in the New York Post, and it was covered extensively by, of course, Tucker Carlson and Fox News. Not mentioned anywhere, any, anywhere else. Not mentioned. They have they have uh, evidence not made up by somebody, but based on 
the stuff from uh, Hunter's laptop, emails, text messages, uh, that he met with at least 14 of Hunter Biden's business associates when he was vice president. Now, Joe Biden, as you know, has been de- denying that all along. says he doesn't know anything about – this is a guy who tries to – he thinks that people are going to believe that he got on Air Force Two uh, and he flew to China to meet with uh, the boss over there. And he had his son with him on the plane. His son got off the plane and disappeared into China somewhere for a while. <laughs> And then they flew back. You know, it's like a 20-hour flight coming back, whatever it is, 18-hour flight coming back. And, you know, when he met him, talked to him there on the plane coming back, he didn't say to Hyden, so uh, what were you doing over here? How'd, you, how'd things go? Never asked him. Never mentioned it. Nobody ever talked about it. Uh, then when he got home and he saw uh, uh, Hunter, you know, for dinner or had him come over to the house for something, it never came up. Never asked him. You know. By the way, that you you rode on the plane over to China. What'd you do over there? Did you get some? Did you get takeout? What, what'd you do over there? Uh, so anyway, uh, that's that's the story. So that's one story that there is now proof um, that uh, Hunter Hunter was uh, Hunter. I'm sorry, uh, Joe met with 14 of Hunter's business partners, and also that they have more proof. That he was referred to as the big guy. This is this is from uh, the person who's doing the best reporting on this and should get a Pulitzer Prize, by the way. She won't, but she should. Uh, Miranda Devine. She writes uh, about James Gillier. He's a former British Special Forces officer with ties to UK intelligence services. Uh, and the Post came up with a um, uh, a message from a whistleblower to. Uh, GOP and congressional investigators probing the laptop. They have the message. In the message, this Gilliar guy reassured the person that the revelations about Biden's apparent involvement in his son's foreign deals would not be damaging. Now, this 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 message was uh, sent on October 14, 2020, right after the Post broke the news that everybody refused to cover, except for Fox News and a few other people. This is the one that Twitter wouldn't allow up uh, on the on the platform. Uh, wouldn't allow the New York Post to put anything up on Twitter because they said this was all disinformation. But this is the message that this guy sent on October 14, 2020, right when the story was breaking on the New York Post. And he says, he reassured the person that he was sending it to that the revelations about Biden's apparent involvement in his son's foreign deals would not be damaging regardless of the outcome of the 2020 presidential election. Jillier was asked if quote, Hunter and or Joe or Joe's campaign would try to make it, oh, we were never involved, and try to basically make us collateral damage. In other words, were they going to just blame them for everything and claim that they were innocent? And this guy, Joyer, responds, I don't see how that would work for them. Uh, this is at a, a, this message came at 6.07 p.m. So that's what the, the Post has it down to that detail. I think in the scenario, this is uh, this Gellier guy's, um, uh, response. I think in the scenario that he wins, they would just leave the sleeping dogs lie. If they lose, honestly, I don't think, are you ready? Again, I'll start the sentence over again. If they lose, honestly, I don't think that the big guy and B and G are capitalized really cares about that because he'll be too busy focusing on the other blank he's doing. They're talking about Joe Biden. They're referring to him as the big guy. And there's the email from how long ago saying that the big guy was going to get 10 percent. And this, this is if, if you follow uh, if you don't watch the, the liberal media or read the liberal media, if you watch Fox News or read um, other uh, you go online and, and check out conservative sites. None of this is surprising to you about the big guy, but the media don't think this is interesting. They're not covering it. So they have that. They have the news that he met with at least 14 of Hunter and Biden's business associates, and they are not paying any attention to it. Again, simple question. Just change the name Biden to Trump. And what do you think would be going on? This would be, you wouldn't be, you wouldn't be able to avoid it anywhere. CNN, 
MSNBC, it would be the it would be the lead story on ABC, CBS, and NBC Evening News tonight, and they are ignoring it. The media is a joke. I'll be right back. SRN News, I'm Greg Clugston in Washington. Heavy rains have caused, caused flash flooding and mudslides as storms pound parts of central Appalachia. Flood victims are speaking out on the matter. Kentucky's governor says at least three people have died from flooding. Hundreds are losing their homes. The family of detained American Paul Whelan welcomes the news that the U.S. government is working to bring him home from Russia. Yesterday, the State Department announced that Washington had offered Moscow a deal that would bring home Whalen as well as WNBA player Brittany Griner. GOP lawmakers are reacting to Senator Joe Manchin's change of heart that now has him supporting a massive tax and spend bill. The top Republican in the Senate, Mitch McConnell, says it's a bill that would raise taxes and kill jobs. The U.S. economy shrank by nine-tenths of one percent in the second quarter. This is SRN News. If you're considering protecting your retirement with gold or silver, listen up. Mark Davis here. One company I trust for this, Advantage Gold, the highest rated precious metals firm in the country. They are so passionate about teaching people how to own physical gold and silver. They've won the best of TrustLink Award four years in a row because they really educate their clients on how to buy gold and silver the right way. Call 800-900-8000. 800-900-8000. Talk to one of their experts. They can send you a free gold kit along with a free copy of the Wall Street Journal national bestseller, The Great Devaluation. Number again, 800-900-8000. Don't wait any longer. Get the best information, the best process, the best service, the best value, all from Advantage Gold. 800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. Call Advantage Gold today. 800-900-8000. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor. Consult with your financial advisor before investing. Okay, we admit it. Pittsburgh is famous for steel. But what about all the other things we're famous for? Take 1980, when we invented the emoticon. How's that for a smiley face? And the terrible towel. Come on, who else can turn a common household item into a sports icon? The Big Mac? Yeah, that was us in 1967. See, we figured if we like it, so will America. And boy, were we right. You get it. We get it. And this station gets you. AM 1250. The answer. Whose rule book do you want to play by? The government's or your own? This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy and Hagerman. Without a proper estate plan, many families end up playing by the government's rule book and losing a lot of what they'd intended to leave to their families. That's why Abernathy and Hagerman presents free, ongoing estate planning workshops with attorney Dan Reimer to help you protect what's yours and make sure the government plays by your rules. The next one's happening soon. For details and to attend, visit a-h.law. When it's time to replace your roof, siding, gutters, and downspouts, entry doors, and, of course, windows, you can count on Windows R Us, the area's premier exterior replacement company. This is John Steigerwald. With over 50 years' experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows R Us offers repair and replacement for all your exterior home projects. Why pay double with some other companies? Windows R Us will always give you the best price on the best in-class products, backed by the best warranties in the industry, all with zero sales pressure. And speaking of zero... Right now, get zero interest financing for 12 months and no processing fee with prices set to increase on all exterior products. Lock in your quote today. Schedule a free estimate and inspection today at windowsarustpittsburgh.com. You've tried the rest, now try the best. windowsarustpittsburgh.com. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. WPGP Pittsburgh. W223CS Pittsburgh. A division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or Odyssey. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. 
Look out for heavy delays on outbound 28. It's a real slow go from Butler Street up to Delafield Avenue. Inbound side construction slowdowns from Powers Run Road to Fox Chapel Road. Solid Parkway East on the outbound side. Forbes Avenue up to Edgewood Swissvale. On the inbound side, usual delays into the tunnel and county jail to the Fort Pitt Bridge. On the Parkway West, heavy inbound Green Tree to the Fort Pitt Tunnel. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, the answer. Weather. Tonight, cloudy and humid. You'll see a thunderstorm in spots late, low 67. More clouds than sunshine for tomorrow. A passing shower with a high 77. For Friday night, partly cloudy, a low 61. Saturday, clouds and sun. A beautiful day with a high 81. Sunday, sun and clouds with a high again, 81. And a high 80 for Monday. With your Iraqi weather forecast, I'm Andy Robb. The John Steigerwall Show. AM 1250, The Answer. Well, you've probably seen uh, multiple um, videos of people committing crimes in New York, including an attack on a Republican candidate for governor. And then you've heard about the suspects being let out of jail without bail. They should actually be used as uh, Republican campaign ads, by the way. But the stupidity is obvious, uh, and it may be starting to create some pushback. Raphael Mangual of the uh, Manhattan Institute has been writing about this for a long time. Now he has a new book out. It's called Criminal Injustice. What the push for decarceration and depolicing gets wrong and who it hurts most. He joins us now. Raphael, good to have you on the show again. Thanks for coming on. Oh, always great to be back. So uh, what did the attack on uh, Lee Seldon, the candidate for governor, do to the decarceration movement? Just right out of the chute here. Well, I hope it woke some people up to the absurdity of how New York's uh, pretrial release laws are constructed. Uh, you know, I, I, it just continues to astonish me the degree to which people are surprised when they learn that New York is the only state in the union that does not allow judges to consider dangerousness when making a release decision. Um, it is one of the most far-reaching, quote-unquote, bail reforms that's ever been enacted anywhere in the country. Um, and yet, for some reason... Uh, the general public just hasn't quite internalized just how radical that reform is. And so, you know, I, I hope this kind of high-profile uh, incident will, will wake people up to that reality because it does do some damage. Uh, it really does. One of the things that we've seen with, with pretrial release here in New York is a huge jump, a 25% jump to be precise, in the, in the share of violent felony arrests constituted by people with open cases, which is precisely what you would expect to see if, in fact, uh, this was causing crime to go up. I, again, is it responsible for the entirety of the, uh, of the crime increase that New York has seen? No, but it doesn't need to be. Right? The right question to ask is, are we worse or better off than we would have been without this reform? I think we're worse off. Uh, I've written a lot of, about you know uh, how we can do this better, including an entire chapter of the book. So uh, I'm really glad that you brought that up. Okay, as long as you uh, bring that up, what, what can they do? What, what's in your chapter that's a solution to it? Well, you know, there there is some validity to some of the critiques about cash bail that, you know, in, inspired the reform movement. The question is, is how do we fix that without throwing the baby out with the bathwater? My answer to that question is that rather than sort of center the inquiry around wealth and whether or not somebody can come up with the cash to secure their release, why don't we just center the inquiry around risk and put New York on par with the rest of the country and say, hey, here you go, judges. Here is the discretion to hold dangerous people in jail, irrespective of how much money they have in their bank account, irrespective of how much they can put out uh, uh, to pay for bail. The, you know, in, in my opinion and in the opinion of the U.S. Supreme Court, it is perfectly constitutional to hold dangerous defendants in pretrial detention. So that, that's certainly one thing that I would do. But, you know, uh, it's important to, to remember that even if you have a well-constructed bail reform, uh, it's not a guarantee that it will be put into practice well, right? These laws are only as good as the individual humans uh, putting them into practice. And what we've seen in other states that have adopted well-constructed reforms is that progressive prosecutors have shown themselves unwilling to avail themselves of the ability to hold people in pretrial detention. They often prohibit line prosecutors from asking for detention in certain cases, and lots of judges have proven themselves unwilling to pull those levers as well. So um, the whole idea is that it's not fair, uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but the idea is that it's not fair that poor criminals are not able to, to make bail, but rich criminals are. So let's make everybody available to make bail, 
regardless of whatever, whatever context the crime was committed in. That's exactly right. So their answer to that very real problem, right, and it is a real problem, their answer to it has been to basically take cash bail off the table and release almost everybody. Um, I think that is an entirely misguided uh, way to go about this. What we should do is, again, center the inquiry around risk. It's much more equitable and much more efficient, right? If somebody is risky, it shouldn't matter how much money they have. Hold them in pre-child detention. Right. Nationally, between uh, 1990 and 2002, the Bureau of Justice Statistics did a study uh, of violent felons. I think it was more than a third uh, who were convicted, were convicted of crimes that they committed while they were either out on bail, out on parole, or out on probation. I think the bail number was somewhere around 12%. That's not an insignificant number of otherwise avoidable uh, uh, criminal offenses. So, you know, there, there are real incapacitation benefits to be had here if we were smarter. We're talking to Rafael Monguel. He's the uh, author of a new book, just came out, and it's called Criminal Injustice, What the Push for Decarceration and Depolicing Gets Wrong and Who It Hurts Most. Do you write about the connection between poverty and crime? Or the lack thereof, right? Uh, You know, one of the the sort of centerpieces of the progressive critique of criminal justice is based on the assumption that we could produce public safety by reinvesting the money that we use on policing and incarceration and prosecution uh, on other social spending programs. This assumes that the root cause of serious violent crime in particular is economic in nature. The problem with that assumption is that it doesn't have any basis in the data or in reality. Take New York City, for example. 1989, which is the year before New York City homicides peaked in 1990 at 2,262, the poverty rate for the city was actually slightly lower than it was in 2016, which is the year before New York City hit its valley number of homicides, 292. So here we are able to make a nearly 90-something percent decrease in, in, um, in homicides without doing anything about the poverty problem. You see the same thing when you look at uh, measures of crime alongside economic recessions. We did not see violent crime go up during the Great Depression. We did not see violent crime go up during the Great Recession. Right between 2006 and 2010, the nation's unemployment rate nearly doubled. Homicide rate declined by about 15%. And in the 1920s, which is one of the biggest economic booms in American history, violent crime skyrocketed. Right. So what we have to understand is that there are mechanisms that we can pull today to control violent crime without doing anything about these intractable social problems that we haven't yet figured out how to solve, let alone at scale. Didn't Rudy Giuliani and New York kind of show the way on this 30 years ago? Absolutely. There are so many valuable lessons that we can learn from just examining our very recent past that people, for whatever reason, seem to have forgotten or seem determined to ignore. Um, I, you know, I wrote a, a, a co-authored an essay in National Review with uh, former NYPD Commissioner uh, Bill Bratton making precisely this point. It is just so frustrating uh, for someone who grew up in Brooklyn in the 1980s and 90s and watched the city transform before his eyes for, for, for new, younger progressives who weren't around back then to just be completely ignorant of that history and pretend as if we cannot make a difference through smarter policing and incarceration practices. Well, what did uh, Rudy, I mean, we all know about Rudy Giuliani and the broken window theory and all that stuff and, you know, getting the uh, the window washers off the streets and, you know, the really visible things like that. But what, what exactly did he do that uh, couldn't be done starting tomorrow again? Nothing. Nothing he did back then can't be done. The one thing that I will say that existed then that no longer exists today was the following um, reality on the ground. In the 1990s and early 1990s, you could count on the various institutions that made up our criminal justice apparatus being on the same page. The police wanted the same thing that the prosecutors wanted, and they wanted the same things that the judges wanted, and they wanted the same things that the corrections officials wanted. Now, the police seem to be doing a really good job of identifying the most chronic offenders and putting them under arrest, yet you have multiple prosecutors who seem dedicated to the proposition that most people should not be punished for the criminal activity that they engage in. You have lots of members of the judiciary that seem completely unwilling to pull the levers that need to be pulled to keep violent offenders off the street, and you have a parole board that is frankly far too willing to release people before they've served their complete sentences, putting the public at risk. And again, who gets hurt the most by this? 
it's it's not rich white people, I'll tell you that. Um, you know, a lot of these reforms have been pushed in the name of racial equity, and I would remind people that violent crime is a hyper-concentrated phenomenon, it's hyper-concentrated geographically as well as demographically. On the geographic point, in New York City, 5% of street segments see 50% of all crime, and just 3.5% of street segments see 50% of all violent crime. And every single year for which we have data, a minimum of 95% of all shooting victims are either black or Hispanic, almost all of them male. And I can assure your listeners that blacks and Hispanics do not make up anywhere near 95% of New York City's population. And you see this pattern repeated in cities across the country, places like Chicago and Philadelphia and Baltimore, Louisville and Memphis. And it really is um, an important point to understand because it, it illustrates a couple of things. One, it illustrates who stands to gain the most if you get crime under control. It illustrates who stands to lose the most if these policy agendas that we're enacting uh, raise the risk of violent victimization. But it also helps contextualize a lot of the racial disparities in the enforcement statistics that are often seized upon to make the case for decarceration and depolicing. Right. It is true that low-income minority communities will bear the brunt of whatever costs are associated with a more robust enforcement program, but they will also disproportionately enjoy the benefits associated with those programs. And if you look at the homicide decline between 1990 and 2014 in this country, it added a full year of life expectancy to the average black man, despite adding only 0.1 years to the life expectancy of the average white man. That is the public health equivalent of eliminating obesity altogether. It is an incredibly uh, profound accomplishment in urban American history, one that I think uh, is, is something that's been received for far too long. Well, you're aware of that, and we're talking again to Rafael Mangual. The book is um, Criminal Injustice, What the Push for Decarceration and Depolicing Gets Wrong and Who It Hurts. You have all these numbers uh, at the at your fingertips because you've been working on this and been writing about this for a long time, and you you did some great research on the book. Obviously, how is it that the that you need to see this in in black and white, or do you need you need to see these numbers on a page or on your on your uh, smartphone to understand? It seems pretty obvious that that the people it should be obvious. Yeah, yeah. who's it not obvious it, it, to? It should be. Well, I think it's not obvious to far too many people, including a growing segment of, of the general population. I think that's largely a function of a failure on the part of our legacy media institutions that should be doing a better job of contextualizing the data on policing, on incarceration, on uses of force, so that people can have a, a more realistic sense of what reality looks like. You know, I, I, I often, when I give public talks, I ask people in the audience, for example, how often they think police use force when they're making an arrest. And I usually get answers that range between 15% and 55%. The reality is, is that they use force in less than 1% of arrests. Why doesn't the public know that? Because the mainstream media is all too happy to uh, uh, elevate relatively rare, if highly salient, instances of police misconduct and create the impression that these are likely outcomes of police citizen interactions. And that's just one example of, I think, a broader failure uh, on this topic. Now, it's, it's interesting because we were talking about the 90s and what Rudy Giuliani did and how it worked and all that stuff. But another thing that was missing back then uh, is uh, was v- video uh, and people... Uh, walking around, and every human in, uh, on the planet now almost has his own personal video camera. And so if there's anything happening that's interesting, it's going to be on somebody's phone and then it's going to show up somewhere in the media. So you see the incident the other night in New York where the uh, 16-year-old kid got in a fight with a cop and he was arrested and let out of jail, let out immediately with no bail, those things were happening, but we weren't seeing them on video. You would think that that, that, that would work in the police's favor, in, in the favor of people who want law and order, because they're seeing these terrible things happening, but it seems like they're turned around and made uh, ammunition for less policing, because they're, people are looking at it saying, oh, the, the cop, he was just, too, he didn't need to do that. It was too, he didn't need to be that rough on the kid. So I don't know how's the right. well, how's I, video I, affecting all this. I think I think that one of the effects that it's played is that it's also you know sort of given the other side ammunition on this very issue. I mean you know one of the things that really shook the nation was the video of the beating of Rodney King. And that was one of the first times that you had one of these instances of alleged police brutality 
captured uh, on camera. Well, now, just as you said earlier, almost every citizen is now a journalist with his own video camera. And in a country of 330 million people, it's very, very easy to make the case that really rare things happen all the time because you'll have at least one example for every day. That doesn't make those things very common, but it can create that impression. And so while videos like the one that you mentioned of the 16-year-old fighting the police officer are also going viral, so too are the videos of alleged police misconduct that also color the public's perception. And I think, you know, we're, we're kind of uh, at a bit of a stalemate, if not, you know, at a place in which the reformers are still enjoying more momentum. Um, what's the biggest myth, bottom line, uh, our cr- criminal justice system uh, has what, that has been promoted by liberals and their friends in the media? What's the biggest myth out there about it? Oh, that's a hard question to answer, but I think one of them is, Certainly the notion that we systematically deny offenders second chances and that we very, very often lock people up and throw away the key for low-level nonviolent offenses. Like we have second chance month in the, in, in, in the United States, and, and the idea behind it is uh, to promote policies that will give people opportunities to uh, avoid incarceration for their first offenses. The reality is, is that almost nobody gets incarcerated after a first offense. In fact, incarceration isn't even the most likely outcome of a state felony conviction. Only 40% of state felony convictions result in a post-conviction prison sentence. Um, and, and also, you know, it, it's not at all clear that a majority of state felony arrests result in a state felony conviction. What we see is that the vast majority of prisoners in the United States are highly chronic offenders who pose significant risks of committing violent offenses and are almost absolutely uh, going to reoffend if released. The, the median uh, release prisoner uh, from the state prison in the United States has somewhere in the range of 10 prior arrests and somewhere in the range of four prior convictions. These are not people who've been systematically denied second chances. And despite that reality, the median term served is only 16 months. So nor are lengthy you know, terms of incarceration of more than a decade uh, particularly common. And I think once people get that into their mind, you can start having a more realistic conversation about what smart criminal justice policy looks like. And in the book, you make the case that the system isn't harsh enough, correct? That's exactly right. Look, I do think that there is some subset of both the jail and prison population that does not belong behind bars. But what people don't understand or fully appreciate is that there's also a much larger subset of the general population that does belong behind bars. And so we, while we have an over-incarceration problem, to some extent, we also have an under-incarceration problem. And, you know, uh, frankly, from where I'm sitting, uh, while it's sometimes the case that the criminal justice system operates too harshly, there are many, many more cases in which it's not harsh enough. i got about a minute left here with Rafael Mongual. He's the uh, author of the book called Criminal Injustice, What the Push for Decarceration and Depolicing Gets Wrong and Who It Hurts the Most. So, um, Rafael... I got about a minute here. What, um, what, how optimistic are you that any of this is going to change? Do you see um, any with, with like what happened with uh, Selden and all those uh, the, recent, the, the recent cases? Do you see any change coming? Do you not just in the in the actual um, procedures of bail and everything, but I mean in people's attitudes? Are they beginning to get the clue? I, I do think there's some evidence that people's attitudes are beginning to change, but I do think um, that optimism should be withheld, uh, at least in the short term. I think it's going to take a lot longer for uh, the pushback to get the kind of momentum that the reform movement has enjoyed over the last several years. Uh, good luck with the book, Raphael, and uh, hope to have you on again. You're the expert on this stuff. You've got some great facts there that uh, make people nervous, but they don't seem to be paying enough attention to it. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Okay, and we'll be right back. If you're considering protecting your retirement with gold or silver, listen up. Mark Davis here. One company I trust for this, Advantage Gold, the highest rated precious metals firm in the country. They are so passionate about teaching people how to own physical gold and silver. They've won the best of TrustLink Award four years in a row because they really educate their clients on how to buy gold and silver the right way. Call 800-900-8000. Talk to one of their experts. They can send you a free gold kit along with a free copy of the Wall Street 
Street Journal national bestseller, The Great Devaluation. Number again, 800-900-8000. Don't wait any longer. Get the best information, the best process, the best service, the best value, all from Advantage Gold. 800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. Call Advantage Gold today. 800-900-8000. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor. Consult with your financial advisor before investing. Inflation is soaring. Prices are going up everywhere except Legacy Box. That's right. When our number people wanted us to raise prices, we said heck no. That's un-American. When times get tough, Legacy Box stands strong. Introducing the Legacy Box Inflation Buster Sale. Not $15 a tape, not $12, 9 Yes, just $9 a videotape. We're in a race to save your family's recorded past from the risk of fires, natural disasters, and the decay of time. Don't let this summer's heat age your videotapes, film reels, and fade your photos. Legacy Box saves your memories by professionally converting all your analog formats to digital on thumb drive or the cloud. And it's all done here in the USA. Legacy Box is simple and safe with over a million satisfied customers. For a limited time, you can get started for just $9 a tape. Visit LegacyBox.com slash LBOX to get our $9 sale. That's LegacyBox.com slash LBOX to get our $9 offer. LegacyBox.com slash LBOX. This is the John Stackerwalt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. Well, we're starting to get to the point where we're going to start seeing polls like this. Uh, New Hampshire, you know, people have already been going up there and hanging around because uh, that's where you got to go to start your presidential campaign. Uh, they took a poll up there, and uh, guess who came out first? This is a U- University of New Hampshire poll. Pete Buttigieg. He got 17%. He's He beat out Joe, Joe Biden by one point. It's... Joe Joe got 16%. Now, here's the thing about Pete. Uh, I think you've heard that he's gay. Uh, If he's not gay, you would never have heard of him. Never heard of him. You've heard of him because he was the mayor of South Bend, Indiana. But there are a lot of South Bend, Indianas out there. There have been a lot of mayors of the South Bend, Indiana. None have ever been... uh, talked about, as far as I know, as presidential candidates coming from the mayor, maybe some governor of Indiana started there, but nobody's come from South Bend, Indiana to be involved in presidential debates and being considered as a uh, serious presidential candidate. The only reason the guy has ever been heard of is he's gay, has nothing to do with him. Well, he was a gay mayor, so that made him interesting and different and all that stuff. But uh, Pete... Buttigieg. I want I want you to try to imagine someone in New Hampshire being asked that question. Who would you like to see run for president for the Democrats? Uh, how about Pete Buttigieg? That's who I'd like. What a sick world we're living in. The John Steigerwald Show is a production of the Answer Pittsburgh and Salem Media Group. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.